This installment of Bach on Wednesday was recorded for release on August 18th, 2021. Greetings. This is Terry Noel Tao, and this is Bach on Wednesday for August 18th, 2021 two days after the 62nd anniversary of the death of van der Landowska, who lived at Oaknoe, 66 Millerton Road, in Lakeville, Connecticut, about a half an hour's drive away from where I now live, a wonderful late Victorian house that I was driven past this past Sunday, and whoever has recently acquired it is in the process of restoring it to its original glory. Let us all thank them profusely whoever the new owners are, for preserving this historic edifice for the present and the future. Clearly, today, what I am doing on Bach on Wednesday is commemorating van der Landowska one of the musicians I most revere and have revered since childhood. I vividly recall learning of the demise of Wanda Landowska, whose artistry I knew from early childhood by a chance viewing of the Wisdom Series interview on a rainy Sunday morning when I was about seven, maybe, certainly no older. I heard her play the harpsichord, and as the saying goes, I was hooked. I was 11 when Landowska died. One of my near neighbors and childhood friends lived a couple of doors away. His parents were, as the saying goes, well-to-do. They had something most unusual in 1959 an in-ground swimming pool. I was there on the afternoon of August 17, 1959 for a swim, an afternoon in the pool. The New York Times was on a table beside the pool. During a breather, I looked at it and I saw 
the obituary for Wanda Landowska. She was the only great artist whom I admired as a child, whom I did not know. I knew Casals, I knew Horzhovsky, I did not know Landowska. But Landowska's surrogate daughter, who kept Okno at 66 Milliton Road and lived there until her death in 2004, became a close friend. And she once said, you are the surrogate grandson. And therefore, today, in memory of Mamuja, as those who were close to her called her, this broadcast of Bach on Wednesday is devoted to performances by Wanda Landowska, who was born on July 5th, 1879 and died at Oak Knoll in Lakeville, Connecticut on August 16th, 1959. Let us begin with her first recording. There are two of the Aria mit verschiedenen Veränderungen. The Goldberg Variations, BWV 988. This recording was made in 1933. Denise Restu, her surrogate daughter, was with her in the studio. And Denise is the one who told Seth Winner whom she called the magician, and me, where the side joins should be made from variation to variation. Denise knew, and this is the only transfer from 78s to digital media that does it the way Landowska would have wanted it. Thank you. 
recorded in Paris in 1933. Wanda Landowska at her Playel harpsichord. Johann Sebastian Bach, the aria mit verschiedenen Veränderungen, the Goldberg Variations, BWV 988. The first of her two recordings thereof, after she was forced to flee France because she was ethnically Jewish and came to the United States, she recorded them again for RCA Victor in New York in 1945. The transfer that you just heard of the 1933 recording of the Goldberg Variations by Wanda Landowska is the only one that is paced the way that Landowska would have wanted it. When Seth Winner and I made the initial transfer, I said to Seth, we've got to let the sides run out. What Landowska did was hold the keys down until the sound had completely died away and the engineers had shut off the microphone before she released the keys. That prevented the sound of the falling harpsichord jacks being on the recording. When we went up to Oak Knoll to play the transfer for Denise, Denise said, no, 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 too much space. And I looked at her and I said, Denise, I know, but I can't determine where the correct spacing should be. You are the only person who can. You were there. You know what Vondelandowska wanted. So we went through the recording and Denise kept saying, there, there, there. And Seth and I revised the transfer and then went back up to Oak Knoll, played it for Denise again. There were a few more revisions that she asked for, which we made, which is why if you look at the credits on the Pearl reissue, you see that one of the people credited is A. Smidgen Moore, because Denise said that needs a smidgen more taken out. Seth and I are sitting there when she approved the revised version, and I glanced over at the cabinet in which Denise kept Landowska's personal copies of all of the recordings. And I noticed that there was a town hall album, which meant those were privately recorded live performances from town hall. There were always microphones hanging 
in those days, and all you had to do was pay them advance, and they'd record anything for you. Denise, what's in that album? Her facial expression changed. She looked at Seth, whom she referred to as her magician, and at me, and said, The time has come. That is the recital that Vandalandowska and Yehudi Menuhin gave in Town Hall in December of 1944. Seth and I looked at each other. We didn't know what to do. We both wanted to jump up and down in glee, but didn't dare. Denise said, please, take it with you. See what you can do with it. When it arrived, I put the first disc on the turntable, and Mamuja, that's what everybody called Vondelandowska, Mamuja said, Oof, the sound is awful, take it off. Put it away, which is what I've done for all of these years. But the time has come. Well, Seth, being the magician that he is, managed to correct the sound of the sides that were incorrectly cut. I had the honor and the joy of knowing Yehudi Menuhin and his wonderful wife, Diana. So, I recalled when I interviewed Mr. Menuhin, as he was then, on January 23, 1970, I asked him, by any miracle, do you have a recording of that recital? He said, no, sadly I do not. I don't even know that one was made. So, when Denise gave us the recordings, I wrote him and I asked him if he would send me reminiscences for inclusion in the liner notes. Because Albert Tenbrink, who had the label a classical record had agreed to issue the transfers. Lord Menuhin, as he was by then, wrote back that he would be happy to do so, but it had to wait until after he came back to England from a forthcoming concert tour in Europe. Sadly, he died during that tour in Berlin. When I interviewed him, unfortunately, the tape recorder had been turned off, but I have never forgotten what he said to me about that recital. I was terribly nervous during the first sonata, but I settled down quickly, and it got better and better. The E major sonata, which came last, was 
particularly good. Now, the E major sonata is the one that von der Landowski and Yuri Menuhin recorded commercially. They intended to do all of them. It didn't happen. And I have to say, in all fairness, the recording of the E major sonata is the one major dud of all of the recordings of Wanda Landowska. The recital, however, is anything but. So, let us go back to Town Hall on West 43rd Street in Manhattan on December 20th, 1944. The Sonata Number no. 1 in B minor for harpsichord and violin, BWV 1014. Then, number two in A major, BWV 1015. Number five in F minor, BWV 1018. And finally, number three in E major, BWV 1016. And Lord Menuhin was correct. It is particularly good.
recorded in concert in Town Hall in New York City on December 20th, 1944. Vanda Landowska had her harpsichord playel, Yehudi Menuhin violin, four of the six sonatas for harpsichord and violin by Johann Sebastian Bach. Number one in B minor, BWV 1014. Number two in A major, BWV 1015. Number five in C minor, BWV 1017. And Number three in E major, BWV 1016. As Mr. Menuhin told me 51 years ago, I was terribly nervous during the first movement of the first sonata, but I settled down quickly and it got better and better as the concert went on. The E major sonata which came last, was particularly good. I think that's a fair assessment, except I think it's marvelous from beginning to end. I also, in going through the annotations to the reissue that Seth Winner and I produced for a classical record, Albert Ten Brink's short-lived record label, I quoted from what Mr. Menuhin told me during that interview I did with him in the Drake Hotel on January 23, 1970, when I asked him about Vondelandowska. I had a very interesting, unfortunately, too short association with her during the weeks that we rehearsed our program for Town Hall, at which we did four Bach sonatas for harpsichord and violin. It was a most wonderful experience, because it went far beyond the musical association. Vanda Landowska lived, in every detail of her life, the music she was playing, the period she belonged to, in her thoughts, her movements, and I would say her dress, her habits, she cultivated the 17th and 18th centuries to an amazing degree. When one entered her apartment, one entered, factually, a completely different world. She was tremendously romantic, and of course, like all great artists, very bent on the smallest detail, which is part of the perfectionist drive, the perfectionist necessity of all great artists. It was a tremendous experience for me working with her. We got along beautifully together. I remember our nice lunches. She was an extraordinary human being. She was very consistent. 
She never let herself down in public or in front of anybody. She was always the same person, living up to her own particular tenets. She was like an encapsulated bit of the 17th century in New York City. When one had to deal with her, it was almost like coming upon a fossil in the middle of a suburban district, discovering some ancient bird that had lived there and reconstructing its life. Only she did all of the reconstruction so that you could just settle back and admire it. Vandalandowska was meticulous about the planning of her recordings, whether it was laying out as an installment of six LPs recorded over six years, the complete well-tempered clavier, both books, by Johann Sebastian Bach, or a recital program. Of none of her recordings is this more accurate than the anthology entitled Treasury of Harpsichord Music. It first appeared in 1946 as a set of 12-inch 78s and subsequently was republished on LP as Arcea Victor LM1217. I'm going to bend the rules of Bach on Wednesday a bit because there are composers other than Johann Sebastian Bach who are involved in this recording, which opens and ends with music by Johann Sebastian Bach. The anthology begins with the Prelude, Fugue, and Allegro in E-flat major, BWV 998. That is followed by the other Bach Fantasia in C minor, the little one, BWV 919. Then, two sonatas by Domingo Scarlatti, and Landowska used, of course, the Longo numbers because the Kirkpatrick catalog hadn't been published yet. First, the sonata in D major, Longo 418, and then the sonata in D minor, Longo 423. Then the Sarabande in D minor by Jacques Champion de Chambonnière, La Dauphine by Jean-Philippe Rameau, two pieces by François Couperin-Legrand, Les Barricades Mystérieuses, and L'Arlequin. Then, a composition that Van der Landowska thought was by Henry Purcell, but it's really by William Croft, The Ground in C Minor. Then, the anonymous 17th century English harpsichord setting of Jan van Eyck's The Nightingale. Next, the air and doubles from the suite number no. five in E major for harpsichord by George Frederick Handel. The composition 
familiarly known as the Harmonious Blacksmith. Then, two compositions by Wolfgang Amadei Mozart. First, the Rondo in D major, Kirchhoffet's Agnes 485, and then the last movement of the Sonata number 11 in A major, Kirchhoffet's Agnes 331, what we call the Turkish Rondo. Then, yet another composition by Wolfgang Amadei Mozart, the Minuet in D major, Kirchhoffet's Agnes 355. Treasury of harpsichord music ends as it began with J.S. Bach, his arrangement for harpsichord of the Violin Concerto in D Major, Opus 3, Number 9, by Antonio Vivaldi, the Concerto in D Major, BWV 972.
Vanda Landowska at the Play El Harpsichord in the anthology she titled Treasury of Harpsichord Music. The pieces were recorded in a series of sessions held in the mansion at 5 East 66th Street in New York City, the building that now houses the Lotus Club. The compositions were Johann Sebastian Bach, Prelude, Fugue, and Allegro in E-flat major, BWV 988. Then the little Fantasia in C minor, BWV 919. Its authenticity is challenged. Whether Bach wrote it or not is uncertain, but Landowska liked it and recorded it. Then two keyboard sonatas by Domingo Scarlatti. The first, Kirkpatrick number 443, Longo number 418, a sonata in D major. Then the sonata in D minor, Longo 423, Kirkpatrick 32. Then the Sarabande in D minor by Jacques Chambon de Chambonnière, La Dauphine by Jean-Philippe Rameau, then two pieces by François Couperin-Legrand. First, from the sixième ordre, Les Barricades Mystérieuses. Then, from the vingt-troisième ordre, L'Arlequine. Next, a ground in C minor, which Landowska thought was written by Henry Purcell, and most people did too, until several years ago, when it was determined to be actually the work of William Croft. Then, from the Elizabeth Rogers virginal book, The Nightingale, a harpsichord setting of Jan van Eyck's recorder composition of the same title. Then, from the suite number five in E major, from the first collection of harpsichord suites by George Frederick Handel, the air with five variations, what we call the harmonious blacksmith. Then, three compositions by Wolfgang Amade Mozart. First, the Rondo in D major, KV 485, then the concluding movement of the keyboard sonata number 11 in A major, Kirchhoffet's Agnes 331, the piece that is known as the Rondo alla Turca, then Mozart's wonderful little minuet in D major, Kirchhoffet's Agnes 355. The recital ends as it began with the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, his transcription for harpsichord of the Concerto in D major for violin, strings in continuo, opus three number nine. The Vivaldi Bach Concerto number one in D major, BWV 
972. I would like to end this installment of Bach on Wednesday with the last composition that Wanda Landowska played in public. It was the concluding work on a recital that she gave at the Frick Collection in 1954. The Chromatic Fantasia and Fugue in D minor, BWV 903.
recorded in recital at the Frick Collection in 1954, at von der Landowska's last recital appearance, five years before her death at the age of 80, on August 16, 1959. Johann Sebastian Bach, the chromatic fantasia and fugue in D minor, BWV 903. A fascinating performance, quite subtly different from the legendary recording she made on 78s in Saint-Leu-la-Forêt in 1935. I hope that you have enjoyed this tribute to Van der Landowska on Bach on Wednesday, the Bach on Wednesday closest to the 62nd anniversary of her death at Oak Knoll, 66 Milliton Road, Lakeville, Connecticut, August 16, 1959. My name is Terry Noel Tao, and I would like to remind you that these internet broadcasts are made possible by the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture, which is a not-for-profit entity in the state of Connecticut. It enjoys Section 501c3 status, which means that any gift that you may choose to make to the Foundation to support its activities is tax-deductible to the fullest extent that the law permits. If you'd like to make a contribution, please go to the Foundation's main web page at www.ffrcc.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. You'll see a tablet that says Donate on it. Click on the tablet. You will be taken to a page that will provide you with the guidance you'll need in order to make your tax-deductible contribution to the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture. Thank you.